0: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today I'm gonna be chatting with Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance. I know he's very well known in diesel and he's been around the industry for quite a long time. And we wanted to talk to him about his experience with the EPA when he had it and how it's changed his business within uh, trying to operate within the framework of what can and can't be done with trucks. So he's gonna gonna talk to us about some major, major challenges that he had over the last few years what he's trying to do to be able to bring you know, products and, and different options to you guys and then just get his opinion, you know, on, on different things that are going on in diesel now, what the future looks like. So we appreciate him taking time out of his day to chat with us and answer these questions. We want to remind you guys, though, that our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a discount code just for diesel podcast listeners. If you use code diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com, you get 20% off site-wide. It's been really cool to see a lot of the gear that you guys have gotten, and uh, yeah, whether it's for EDC or hunting, fishing, around the house, outdoors, they got something for for any budget. So if you're in the market definitely make sure and take advantage of that discount code. Also, if you're watching on YouTube and you're not subscribed, make sure you subscribe, turn on notifications, like, and comment, you know, let us know, you know, what you think about Ryan and I are going to talk about today. Uh, if there's, if you want us to expand on something or or talk about a specific portion, you know, something, let us know in the comments. Um, it helps for other people, other diesel enthusiasts to find our videos on YouTube helps us grow. We want to make sure we get this information out to as many people as we can. All right, let's get to today's episode with Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, asking him about his legal battle with the EPA and tuning and what he thinks the future is going to hold for diesel trucks. Ryan, Got welcome it. back to the yes. uh welcome back to the diesel podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today, catch up on a lot of different things that are going on, not just at hardway performance, but in diesel and, and automotive. So welcome back to the podcast.
1: As always, man, thanks for, for having me.
0: There's uh there's so much going on i I don't really know where to start so i was kind of thinking of a lot of questions that we get from our audience as it pertains to tuning and and modifying trucks and you have a you know personal story as far as you know when you started hardway performance and even before that and how things have changed so much and you know even your experience dealing with emissions and the epa and different things like that so i wanted to ask you you know what you know how did things start and 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 how have they progressed or, or what did you go through to arrive at this point, you know, where you're at right now?
1: Man, that's a, I don't know if we can cover all that in, in <laughs> a, a podcast session. I've, to be honest with you, I've it's been a thought in the back of my mind to write a book about this crap because this has been quite, quite an adventure. Um, so I will do my best to keep it short and sweet on that subject. So uh, way back when 2006, 2007, I was a young airman. Uh, in the Air Force. Um, I bought a 2007 Ram 2500 um, with the brand new 6.7 Cummins engine that had the new emission stuff on it and all that stuff way back when. And uh, I was plagued uh, with issues. I bought that actually from the exchange new car sales program. So it was waiting for me in my driveway when I got home from Iraq. And I was super excited about it. Like it was like my present to myself after going and doing, you know, playing war hero crap. So we uh, I got home and like the first day I drove it, check engine light came on for you know what, for those trucks were plagued back then. So now this is the first brand new truck I've ever bought, first brand new vehicle I've ever bought in my life, and the biggest purchase at that point that I've ever done. So as you can imagine, I was pretty frustrated when the check engine light came on and would continue to come on, regardless of how many times I took it to the dealer and they claimed to fix it and all that stuff. So this is a 2007 timeframe. Um, you were probably around back when, when, you know, the, the EPA wasn't coming after end consumers, it wasn't coming after shops, shops didn't even exist to do this stuff, because this is all brand new stuff, right? Yeah. So companies started popping up out of the woodwork with little ways to, you know, around these emission systems to make them work right. Remember way back when, when we used to um, put the foolers and the exhaust sensors, and and have the edge on the on the dash to clear the check engine light codes and all that stuff. Like <clears throat> I'm talking like before Smarties, before yeah. all that crap way back when. I mean the Smarty Smarty existed, but it took like two years of the six seven being out until the Smartie worked on the six seven. Um so, anyways, you know, the diesel industry that I came into as a hobbyist was an industry that, you know, we both the simple turbo on through some head studs, you know, you put a clutch in it, and you were the bee's knees around town, right? And then that evolved into essentially, you know, uh, a career for me, I guess. I had to separate from the Air Force because I got so busy with doing diesel stuff, and I made more money doing diesel stuff, so I walked away after 10 years in the military, you know, halfway to a federal retirement to go this way. Um, And way back when, you know, yes, it was against the Clean Air Act, but we always assumed way back then that, you know, the, the, the emissions rules were for the manufacturers of the vehicles and that what we wanted to do with after the fact was fair game. And then uh, when was it? 2013, I believe, when the, the whole H&S EPA debacle came about. And, um, you know, that was a big uh, light shining on us where we realized that we can't do whatever we want and that doesn't quite work that way. So there were a lot of tuners um, at the time. Actually, I take that back. When H&S quit quit selling their tuners the way they did back in 12, 13, 14, whenever that was, it opened the doors and created an opportunity for a lot of tuners, I use that that, uh, term loosely, to pop up and basically step in and offer products where H&S wasn't anymore. Um, And so that was, that was, I would say from 13 to like 16 or 17 was the emissions removal heyday. Like you could be no, you could graduate from from high school. You didn't have to graduate high school. You could have, you could be a 16 year old kid with a a hundred piece craftsman toolbox. And if you had a Smarty and an H&S tuner and a couple other, you know, EFI live tools and that you could open yourself a diesel shop. And these little shops popped up all over the place, um, and just ran amok. You know, charging a couple hundred bucks to tune a truck, you'd have one in and out in the day. You know, do five, five trucks a week. It was pretty good income, right? Um, and then, and you know, and I. Your screen froze up. Can you hear me? Okay good yeah, i got you you just you just like paused for a minute <laughs> i wanted to make i want to make sure i wasn't talking to myself so um anyways sorry not to put myself down but you know in the very early days I was one of those guys you know um tuning these trucks and 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 taking my limited knowledge back then and doing what I had to do to make these trucks run better without emissions and um 2016 2017 I think they showed up i think it was 2017 um you know I've got a a shop here with 10 plus employees and tons of overhead. And, you know, there's tons of stuff going on here. And um, I was actually, I remember this like it was yesterday, um, 2017. I was actually walking out the door to go to the airport to catch a flight, to go to SEMA, um, you know, so it had to be around November time frame. And these guys pulled up in a, you know, a rental car. And four guys got out and flashing badges and all that stuff. And lo and behold, it was the, you know, uh, EPA out looking to see what I was up to. So, um, they, and that, they issued a, uh, what is it called an RFI, a request for information where I had to produce all sorts of documents and, um, you know, basically open the door and tell them what I was doing and how I was doing it and, you know, how much it was getting sold for and how much I sold and all this other crap. And, That was an extremely painful three or four years. That might have been 2016 they actually showed up. I think it was 2016. It was four years I was dealing with them. Um, January of 2020, fast forward, and I signed my uh, CAFO with the EPA, which stands for Consent Agreement Final Order. Um, And that that document that I signed, you can look it up. Anybody can look it up on Google, Hardway versus EPA, and read it. It's actually a link I send out to people three to five times a week that hit me up asking for delete-tuning. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, how much was the fine? Well, the fine was, was relatively low for me. I only think I paid 45,000 in total fines, but that's not what hurt. What hurt is my entire business was built around doing one, not one, but it was heavily evolved around doing emissions, defeat, tuning and, and installs and product sales, you know, turbos. Uh, second gen swap kits, selling transmissions, all this stuff to go along with it. But the root of it all came from emissions defeat tuning. And now all of a sudden, I just signed an agreement with the federal government saying, I can't do, I won't do that anymore. So now before I even signed that agreement, I already made my my changes to my business way back when. So those of you who were a part of the industry back in seventeen eighteen might remember, you know, some stuff going out on Facebook and emails and stuff saying, you know, hey, we we can't do this no more. Our hands are tied. You know, which pissed a whole lot of people off, and I got hate mail and all sorts of stuff. But um, what the what the killer was was 2016. I think I think 2017 was my best year, and we were on par to do like five million in gross business. That's not profit. That's gross amount of money that rolled through the shop. You know, out of that we had to pay mortgage, payroll, overhead, utilities, blah blah blah. Um, but in in any case. million went from one side of the table to the other hard way in 2017. In 2018, I did 1.3 million. Okay. That's still a big number, but my payroll, my mortgage, my insurance, all of my overhead and all this stuff was all based around a business that had $5 million of gross income and that we were able to scrape a little off the top off of profit. So uh, where I screwed up big time, and I'm still paying for this, Where I screwed up big time is I thought that there would be a quick fix around the corner. So I didn't fire anybody. I didn't let anybody off payroll, you know, unless they wanted to go, of course, but I I didn't, I didn't go through and say, okay, the EPA came 10 of you were fired. Like I kept everybody on payroll. I did my best to, to change business and do that. But I, I just, I couldn't find my way fast enough. And in the meantime, you know, I'm still paying a $9,500 a month mortgage. We still got $18,000 a year in property taxes. I've still got, it was like 10 grand a week in payroll going out the door back then. Um, And the credit cards, lines of credit and all that stuff that I had open back then, it did not take long at all for them to get racked up. Um, So here I am, 2018. Now I have at a minimum a half million dollars in non-collateral debt and no true income to pay it back. I've got my bank trying to sue me for a line of credit that they called because I no longer financially qualified for it. You know, I've got credit cards maxed out. You know, um, it was just a really painful deal. So um, uh, come 2018, 2019, I had basically good friends in, in the business, you know, in the business world. Uh, my accountant, my attorneys, and my banker all trying to tell me to file bankruptcy because like, that's what this program is for. You know, you're not being a quitter. You're not, it's not a, it's not a negative thing. It's something you have to do sometimes in business. And I absolutely refused. Um, And sometimes I kick myself for being so damn stubborn, but you know, I look back on it now and I'm really thankful that I didn't quit. Um, You know, the doors are still open. We're, we've got six employees right now. I had to lease some of my shop space out. Um, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world, but uh, it it was a very painful, very painful realization, change of business to go from, you know, riding high on the horse and then getting your PP slapped and then trying to stay alive in the industry. What you know, while riding that legal gray line, you know, um, so here we are now uh, and, and we'll get into what I'm up to now and what you know what the future for Hardway and the future for for the diesel industry and and all of us as a whole um, is to happen. And, you know, along the road, I have seen dozens, if not hundreds of these diesel shops that have popped up along the way to include little tuning shops, install shops, parts manufacturers, just close their doors because the industry as the performance diesel industry as a whole has changed drastically. The, the diesel, the diesel world that we are in right now is not the same, that me and you grew up in on Cummins Forum back in two thousand nine. It is totally different. So, do you still have that truck, by the way?
0: No, no, I don't. I,
1: where's it? Yeah,
0: I sold it. Gosh, I sold
1: mine I, too, and I kick, <laughs> I kick myself every day
0: for it. <laughs> well, it is. It, it, there are a lot, of, a lot of things that you mentioned there that really kind of re- reverberate because it was. It it was something where when these trucks were out and the the tuning really was the key to it because that unlocked Mm -hmm. the compounds, the big single, the injectors, the dual CP3s, the transmissions. And then, you know, I just cover these topics. Um, I I don't work in it per se, but I've I've seen that transition from how it used to be to now. And all these shop owners and, and, and these stories that I see, it's like, it is so vastly different. And I think right now specifically, like the day that we're chatting, things are entirely different than even earlier this year. Um you yes. know, what, we're, what we're talking by, about. By a lot. Yeah. So you know, you're you're hands on in this and you have been for a really long time in so many different parts of it. Where where do you see it it, it going or, or what is the the future for these trucks that you see you know, this year, next year, and just moving forward.
1: So I use this analogy a lot because I, I unfortunately have to have this conversation with people all the time. Um, but the, the old way of doing things was buy truck, you know, uh, put a turbo on it, head studs, tuner, put a built transmission, go to the track, break stuff, keep upgrading. You end up with this thousand eleven hundred 1100 horse street monster that can still be driven on the street or taken to the track or whatever. And it was a, it was basically a one path road. And eventually people would end up with full blown race cars, like the stuff that I play with. But for the most part, the diesel performance industry was a one track road. Right. Um, and the new way of going about it is we have, it's a two track road. It's either a full on competition vehicle or it's a full on street vehicle and full on street vehicles are not going to be the thousand, 1500 horse monsters that we used to be able to drive on the street. Five years ago right um and this is the analogy i like to tell people think about like a, a corvette and i'm no corvette uh connoisseur by any means but let's just pick a random year like an 82 corvette you know the in my opinion the ugly ones that were like all wavy <laughs> with the real long nose and yeah. tail you know um and they came with like a, a small block chevrolet i'm gonna say 180, 200 horsepower tops, you know, nothing too special. That was during the height of the smog, uh, you know, way back when, when um, a brand new car would come with a, a catalytic converter that was basically plugged when it pulled out the showroom floor and you just ride around town behind cars smelling rotten eggs all the time. <laughs> well, look at a new ZR1 Corvette now. They're, they're what, 700 horsepower? and They have a beautiful exhaust note they they pass all emissions same thing with the the Hellcats 700 plus horsepower blown uh you know small block V8s that are hellacious and they pass they pass every emissions test that is put against them as well as blowing all the ones out of the water from way back when so as an industry we are in that transmi- we we are 20 years behind the gas in that in that transition period so Whenever I wasn't, I was born in 86, so I wasn't alive back when, or driving a car back when, but whenever all the smog laws hit, I don't know when exactly when it was seventies, eighties, mid eighties. I don't know. You know, whenever all the cars went from being big, giant land yachts with <coughs> unlimited cubic inch and unlimited, you know, emissions to these little, you know, whenever the Mustang two came out, that little pile of crap, you know, those, <laughs> that era we're in that, we or I would say about 10 years ago was that era for us. Right. And we are just starting to blossom into the era where we can have these trucks with emissions intact and still make power and, and be functional. You know, like we're not quite to the status of, of brand new ZR1 Corvette or Hellcat Charger. You know, we can't go making a thousand horsepower with it. But I mean, um, you know, every generation of these trucks and specifically I deal with Cummins, but every generation of these trucks, the, the manufacturers get better and better and smarter and smarter with newer and better technology for the emission stuff. So, you know, it won't be long before, instead of having this ginormous exhaust system underneath the truck and having to pour fluid into your exhaust, all this stuff that we have to have on the truck, you know, in my mind is gonna be basically incorporated into the downpipe and not have to use DEF anymore. And this happens as our computers get better, our injection technology gets better, you know, and we as a whole, manufacturers, customers, Um, retailers all all that stuff get better and smarter and utilize this stuff so that's a that's that's where I think we're at is either right at the transition period or the transition period just happened and now the new era of street vehicles is you have to have the emission stuff intact the stuff that it came with from the factory has to be intact and if you're going to remove it or modify it in any way and as a as a manufacturer or a tuner If you're going to modify these new vehicles, you have to test them. You have to have it tested with the SEMA garage. uh, You can do independent testing, whatever you want to do. That stuff has to go through CARB and get approved or your ass will end up in jail. I mean, that's obviously the extreme part of it. But if you want to keep the feds happy when they come knocking and they will, you have to have all the boxes checked on your products. So, you know, I'm currently working on emissions, intact, tuning, intact and functional because there are some tuners out there, not mentioning any names, uh, that will leave the parts on the vehicle. But if you plug a scanner into it like the EPA would, it won't pass any of the readiness monitors. It won't pass all the stuff that you actually have to pass in order to be considered uh, intact and functional. Um, An example of that is uh, some guys out there can have these trucks that require exhaust fluid, and you can disable that. You can also turn off the EGR and just leave the after treatment system, uh, you know, functional and intact. So from a visual inspection, it looks like you're 100% good to go, but you can't sell that. Like there's, There is no future in selling that. You have to do it correctly. If you're not going to do it correctly, then you have to remove the plates from the vehicle and it is a competition only vehicle. And for everybody out there that wants to be in my inbox, I probably answer this 10 times a week just because you race your buddies stoplight to stoplight does not make it a race truck. So that does not make it legal for me to tune emissions removal for your race truck. You know, and I ask people to send me pictures because I can tell right away if something's an actual competition vehicle. If there's, if there's roll cage bars coming out of the back, it's sitting on drag radials. It's got a gutted interior. That looks like a race vehicle. You still can't have a tag on it, but it looks like a race vehicle to me. And there's a gray area, but I can touch that. Right. You guys out there that have your, 35 inch mud tires and lift kits and all that stuff like that's not a competition vehicle man okay <laughs> like you're i understand what you guys are trying to do you're trying to get you're trying to get what you want taken care of but i i can't help you and those of you out there who know better also can't help you and the people that can help you you probably don't want what they have to offer or i mean Maybe you do, but I wouldn't let some of that stuff that's out there floating around the market touch anything that I own. Not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but <laughs> these, <laughs> these fly-by-night tuning companies that you'd never heard of before, I'd stay away from them.
0: It's a, It seems like a, well, it is, a, just a whole different process where, you know, for you to be able <clears throat> to offer something to a bunch of people, and I know a lot, of, a lot of Cummins owners look to you, what kind of steps do you have to go through? Like you mentioned SEMA Garage and testing. But, you know, if I think back, you know, let's say when the 2010s came out and at, at that time or you could just jump right in, you know, take a look at you know, the ECM, be able to do a tune for it, whereas now you can't you can't do it like that. There, there's this whole process. So how does that affect you as a, a business owner being able to offer a product like does it take two or three years? Um, How much money does it take to go through this testing? What's the process like so you can check all those boxes, like you mentioned, to be able to confidently sell something to someone and not have to worry about it and they don't have to worry about, you know, any issues with emissions checks?
1: So I haven't gone all the way through that process yet, but I am in the middle of it. Um, So the older ECMs are extremely simple and uh, to put it into perspective, like the the file size on a 5.9 Cummins EFI Live tune that you know goes out the door every day for these people is like 840 kilobytes. It's tiny, right? There's, there's not very many tables. The ECM structure is extremely simple. The transmission tuning is extremely simple. There's no emission stuff. Um, and it is a quantity-based uh, ECM where all the new trucks are torque over quantity uh, ECMs. Um, so the new ECM, like, I don't even know the file size on a brand new truck. Let me look it up here real quick. I'm just looking at EFI live files, So I'm going to pull up a 1920, uh, file. Oops. Let me do that. Press one too many buttons. <laughs> so 3.6 megabytes compared to 846 kilobytes. So that is, uh, oh my phone's right there. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's like four to five times size, the file size, right? So that's one thing. And. So all of that file size stuff, for instance, you cannot disable diagnostic codes in the new tuning, right? So in order for me to pass emissions, I cannot disable diagnostic codes. I cannot. That's it's a it's in my consent agreement final order that I signed. So instead of just being able to open up and let's let's back this up. A CM849 for an 06 Cummins has one instance of a diagnostic code. So if you've got a grid heater check engine light, po uh, P0541 and you want to turn it off it's only in the ECM one time. You find it, turn it off, and you're done. It's off, right? If you were to uh, turn off diagnostic codes on one of these new trucks, there could be up to five instances of these, right? Because there's a separate uh, diagnostic code for um, whether or not the light comes on, a different one in the ECM for whether or not it reports to a scan tool, a different one somewhere else if it's uh, an emissions uh, code, uh, and another one somewhere else, if that's a, a, a diagnostic code that can set a limiter, like, so, but taking that back, I can't turn them off. So if I'm in the process of doing this tuning, and there is a uh, a threshold of anything, of engine speed, of, of injection duration, rail pressure, anything that I've exceeded that could potentially cause a check engine light instead of me going and turning the check engine light off, I have to make the thresholds happy in order so that light doesn't come on naturally. If I've moved the thresholds that the ECM is to operate within, let's say that a stock six, seven Cummins brand new one, they don't want to go above 3000 RPM or 3,200, right? And when I make it go above 3,200, it'll hit a, a, high, um, a high engine speed or a you know, um, high speed governor threshold, whatever and could possibly throw a diagnostic code. I can't just turn that code off. I have to go find that threshold and do it the long, correct way. So that light doesn't come on. Does does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, that's one thing of it. Um, secondly is the way the testing is done. I'm doing my my testing through the SEMA garage. Um, so far I've got about a thousand dollars in application fees that I've spent. And each test that you do is $10,000. Um, and the test that I'm going to do covers me from, and I'm, this is for calibration only, so it's a calibration test. And when I, when I get tested, um, and I pass that test, hopefully, not from 13 all the way to 21 right now. Um, so I can sell 13 to 21 with that one test, and it's yeah, what's called reasonable basis. So even though I do all my development work on a 21 RAM, I can sell... 19 and 20 Cummins tuning under the reasonable basis that it's going to run just like that. I'm going to copy and paste parameters and make it run just like that. And the same thing with a 13 to 18s. Even though the 2350 is a different platform than a the 2450, they're extremely sim- similar in structure on the inside. Um, and you know, with reasonable basis, I can make a 13 to 18 truck run just like the 21 truck that I did all my testing on. Um, and the testing process once you get started, like once you, once they get started, and I mean, they have a vehicle, whether they've supplied it or you've supplied it, strapped down in their laboratory, the test takes about three weeks, um, all said and done. And if you plug into the truck, you know, one of the first couple parts of the test is plugging into the truck and making sure all the readiness monitors are correct. If, like I mentioned before, if you were to go in and do that, you know, half-ass delete, but all the parts are still there tuned that where the readiness monitors won't set and it's not done correctly, then you've spent $10,000 hauled a truck across country to fail in the first 24 hours of the test. And you don't get a discount for failing. It's 10 grand and you get to schedule it all over again and start all over again. So, um, I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten that far yet, but I, I can tell you the, the, the lack of sleep is already starting to catch up with me on that subject being paranoid over going through all of this and then me missing something so minuscule or minute that causes me to fail the test. And so I'm, I'm taking a look at these files and just, you know, over and over and over, just hammering, you know uh, I know all the parts of the test that I have to, that I have to study for per se and have my product ready for. Um, And, uh, and here's the other thing too. Once you pass that, once once SEMA garage gives you the okay or the thumbs up that you have passed all testing requirements right you are legally in a gray area where you are 49 state legal because and perhaps Corey can expand on this more but because they have to accept independent testing right and independent testing from a place like SEMA garage they have to accept that as 49 state legal and um they have no specific rules as far as the epa goes as far as what testing you have to have or where it has to be done at or whatever so once you do that testing and you have this paperwork on your product stating that this does not uh you know move emission standards beyond these points and it falls within all the gray areas you are then legally and it's, it's in a gray area because it's not specifically defined is why I say that. But you are legally allowed to sell your product, 49 state legal. And the exact same testing, uh, basically submitted with different paperwork to a different organization, uh, CARB, is what you have to do in order to get it 50 state legal. So uh, what I'm trying to do right now is get 49 state legal by the end of the year on my emissions intact calibrations so I can flip the switch on the website, start selling and start hopefully having some of the income like I used to have, you know, way back when, before they came knocking and set me behind. What year is it? It's 2022 that showed up in 17, it's like six years. They put me six years behind. Right. So I'm just trying to get back to where I was, but legally. Yeah. So when, if, and, and when, cause I fully expect to see them and deal with them again, they come back knocking around and I would love for them to walk into my shop, see, everything you know uh as it should be all of my t's crossed all my i's dotted here's my paperwork um what can i help you guys with okay cool see you next year you know and that's that's where i'm trying to get to uh because i have i went from a business that i was openly advertising openly encouraging you know all that stuff to basically without the emissions testing stuff done even still doing the the five nine and competition tuning tuning stuff that I do still do these days. I feel like I'm living under a rock and I can't, you know, it's like a, it's like a drug dealer, you know, as a drug dealer, you can't throw an ad up on the local radio station or put a billboard up like, Hey, buy your drugs here because (laughs) it doesn't work like that. You can't do that. So I am extremely excited to once again, have a product that I can market and share and put out there and, and, feel like I'm a business again, instead of a drug dealer. Cause that's honestly, that, that is exactly what the federal government has made me feel like, like I'm Pablo Escobar. Well, Corey's probably Pablo Escobar, but I'm a little lesser, (laughs) lower known, lesser known drug dealer. Only sells one kind of drug. (laughs) But but, you know, so long story short uh, we have to play by the rules, man. You know, we can sit here and bitch about, you know, bitch about the rules all day long bitch about who's in office and and all that but in the grand scheme of things as as an end consumer you can do that you can you can do whatever you want to your truck me as a manufacturer retailer reseller whatever you want to call it i cannot i if if you read that consent agreement final order that i did that i signed with the epa that was a civil suit okay the next one's not going to be civil and i don't know how much Corey went into stuff you know on his podcast but um you know felony charges from doing this stuff is a real thing so there is no bullshit to be had whatsoever when 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 you when random joe blow customer messages me on the internet and wants off-road tuning for his lightweight package whatever the hell the you know slang terms are these days on facebook you are literally asking me to uh to uh what do you call it to do a felony. You're you're asking me to go to jail. So your truck can have a lot of exhaust. And it's not I can't do that. I'm not I'm not I won't do that. So um I've been broke for way too long. Uh after all this crap. You know, there was there was points in time in 2018 and 19 where there wasn't a credit card in my wallet that would turn a gas pump on. You know, yes I did ten thousand dollars in business yesterday but that means absolutely nothing when you're $800,000 behind. So, um, you know, digging myself out of that hole, uh, I have paid back every single debt that I've ever accrued in business. Um, you know, mortgage lines of credit, credit cards, uh, open accounts with vendors. I've paid every single one back. I have not let one single account go, you know, sideways. And I'm, I'm still, like I said, I'm still paying for it. Um, uh, I've sold race cars. I've sold rental houses. I've sold all the crap I had so I could stay in this business. And I am this this emissions intact tuning that I'm trying to get tested and, and and put through right now. So we all have something to play with with these brand new trucks. Is is my last run. You know I'm what little pennies I do have left and that the bank will give me. I'm wrapping every single bit of it into doing this. And if it doesn't work, then I guess I'll go get a job. I don't, I, I, this is my, this is my last two raw. It works or it doesn't. So, do you do you think that the rest right.
0: of the industry say outside of tuning is also going that same direction, like with turbos and injectors and fuel systems and other sorts of things to where it it provides even more tuning opportunity, say, you know, in the future, like um, I can't think of any specific up top of my head, but like, a carb approved turbo or, you know, injectors or something like that. Do you feel like the rest of the industry is also doing the same thing that you're doing as well?
1: Yes. And they have to. Um, and what, what we have to do, and I I can name a few specifically, um, the fleece cheetah turbocharger is at least 49 state legal already, if not 50 state legal, I don't know where exactly where they're at. Um, Uh, S&S Diesel Motorsports has a line of injectors that is 49 state legal, maybe 50 state. I'm not sure where they're at either on that. Um, And, uh, you know, there's, remember the, I don't know if you know, I I offered a turbo kit, um, uh, an added turbo kit for the 10 through 18, six, seven, fourth gen trucks. And I fully intend on doing that turbo kit, updating it to the newer model year trucks, 19 and newer And once I'm done getting my tuning approved, I'm going to go back and have that turbo kit approved because carb approved products, like say, I want to offer a power pack, right? And me as Hardway, and you want me to offer a power pack for your 2020 Ram. I'm going to offer my carb approved tuning with a carb approved turbo and a carb approved set of injectors to get you the 600 or 650 rear wheel horsepower at the tire that I'm offering and, and promising you with this power pack. Um, so those, those manufacturers out there that aren't going through and getting their products tested, either that you have to go back to what we talked about earlier, You either at the fork in the road, you are competition only and saying, I'm not dealing with getting carb approved and all that stuff. Cause my stuff is for competition only. Or if you are going on the street performance route, which is where the majority of our customer base is, you have to do the testing, you have to do stuff correctly. Um, And if you don't, you will get left behind. Um, And what I say by that is all of my calibrations that I'm going to do are going to be based around, because obviously we all have stock trucks, right? And that's easy, but uh, let's say there's a a stage one is a stock truck and I'm just making shit up right now. I don't know exactly how it's going to be implemented. And let's say stage two is um, a turbo, right? Well, if you buy a turbo from Billy Bob's turbo shack up the street that is modified or whatever and bolts on and needs some sort of special something for it to work right, if it's not CARB approved, then I'm not going to waste my time in going through and updating all of my public uh, publicly available calibrations to work with that turbo. So uh, I believe Stainless Diesel uh, is working on getting their turbos set up. So in the meantime, I will have uh, fleece cheetahs and stainless turbo, you know, modified Bgts um, set up with with all of my stuff for power packs. Um, S&S and you know let's say stage three is when you add injectors, right? So s I know for sure, has um, some forty nine state legal stuff. Lenny over at DDP is also working on some forty nine state legal stuff. So if you have if if you want a hard way calibration for your brand new truck and you want to make some more power, you are gonna have to use one of those manufacturers that is carb approved that I already work with or the calibration may not be correct for those parts. If you bring me Billy Bob's injector shack injectors and drop them in your truck and say, hey, Ryan, retune this. I'm gonna say, who are these guys? Where's their carb stuff? I can't touch my calibration to work with that because they haven't gone through the proper setup. And that essentially hangs me out as as a liability for me, doing stuff that I don't need to be doing, working with parts that aren't carved approved. So it goes back to that reasonable basis stuff. If if I'm going to offer a power pack, the power pack all by itself doesn't have to be tested, right? But if Hardway Performance is going to sell a power pack for your 2020 Ram, and it's going to come with a turbo, um, uh, a set of calibrations, and an injector, 39 state legal and my stuff is at least 49 state legal, then there's reasonable basis for me to believe and produce documents if the man ever comes asking me that those products together on this truck, I have reasonable basis to believe that it does not affect the because independently they've all passed their own tests. And so if you have a product that you want to be sold or you want the consumers as a mass market to buy, you have to get on the program or you're going to get left behind. So it won't be immediate. You know, there's tons of turbo builders. There's tons of injector people out there right now, but mark my words in five years, those who did not go down the road of getting their products tested will either be out of business or facing some heavy fines or in jail or something because there is this is no joking matter whatsoever the, the 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 federal government has cracked down on us as hard as you can possibly imagine and if you are in this industry and you are doing stuff not by the book without a doubt they, they know your name and they know what you're doing so just keep that in mind it makes a lot think, of sense uh, that's go ahead,
0: sorry uh, it it makes a lot of sense what you're mentioning because one of the questions that we got from our audience was Hey, how can I get updated tunes for my truck? Or I just bought this truck and it has this on it. How do I how do I do it? And I can see the future that you just mentioned there, where you know somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, I got this 2020, 2019. Um, can you tune my truck?" And it's got something on there that doesn't have this testing. Like you can't touch it. And so I can see how how the industry is moving in such a way that you have to get on board to be able to do this and when I think of tuning I think of tuning as something that brings all the hard parts together it you know there's air fuel timing all these things that you're doing it's it's I think it has kind of the widest base um you know in the aftermarket so I think that's going to be incredibly important you know moving forward is what can you tune um you know did this turbo did these injectors a cp3 whatever it might be has it been tested yes I can do it or no I can't because. I, I just can't do it.
1: So that's a, an excellent subject. And I have a couple different points to talk about on that. Um, so I used to offer delete tuning. I, I don't anymore. I haven't for a very long time. And there is a problem that, and I will go ahead and put it out there now that um, by January 1 next year, this upcoming year, uh, I will be offering zero support for any of the calibrations that I've sold way back when. And what I mean by that is if 2016, you bought a tune from me and um, and, and it's been working great, which I hope it has been, because you know I try really hard on all the stuff I put out. Uh, and then you still have that truck, fast forward to January 1, 2023, and you buy a specific transmission that has very specific line pressure requirements and you need your tune updated, I cannot help you. So we have been uh, in the gray area, supporting customers—not specifically customers, but vehicles that we tuned in the past. Um, you know, if they have a, if they if they put an aftermarket turbo kit on because their VGT died, you know, which is pretty common right now in the 10 through 12 and the 13, 14 kind of model year trucks because they're about that age. And you need me to update the second gen swap. Well, I've already paid the damn fines on tuning that truck, right? So. If a customer needs me to update one thing, I'm not. I'm not. It's not a new truck that's going to be deleted. It's not a new. It's not a new. It's not a new deal. I'm just keeping a truck on the road for an existing customer, um, and so that is again deep down in some gray area as to whether or not I can even do that or not. And then also, uh, there's some more gray area. I'm working on customers' vehicles. You know, a customer says that uh, if you if you read the black and white of what that has to say as a shop, it is my job to put it back to originally certified configuration before it leaves my shop. So that means if you bring me a truck with a second gen swap and, you know, uh, no emissions on it and the EGR gone for a head gasket, I have to put a head gasket on it and put the EGR back on, put the BGT back on and put a DPF back on it obviously that's not feasible, feasible or reasonable in any way whatsoever. Um, So we just do what we do. If a truck comes to us that has, you know, parts missing, I cannot touch the OBD2 port. I have no idea who did all that stuff, but I'm going to fix, you know, the transmission in it, or I'm going to fix the ball joints, or I'm going to fix whatever, but it has nothing to do with the emission stuff on it. Um, So as I said earlier, um, I have to draw a line in the sand at some point in time. And as a manufacturer, tuner, whatever you want to call it, pressing forward, I have to be all the way in or all the way out of what what I'm trying to accomplish. So January one, if you have uh, if you had previous tuning, you know from me from way back when, get what you need from me now. If you know if you need it, because after January one, if you have an emissions removed vehicle, I will be. 1000% hands off. It's not even allowed in my parking lot. Don't, don't, don't even ask. So, um, that's one thing. Uh, okay. Uh, I had something else I wanted to talk about on that subject. Um, I don't know. I'll write it. If I think about it, I'll write it down. So <laughs>
0: well,
1: I, had, that- I had something else, but I, I, I brain dumped it. Sorry.
0: One of the questions that we got was about the emission systems themselves, as far as longer term, do do you or or what kind of experience or thoughts do you have, you know, say, going through this testing, doing a calibration is basically are they going to be reliable or are they reliable and I know that varies a little bit based on what your truck it is but I think that's a lot of the questions that uh, Cummins owners have is okay, I'm on board with this. I'm cool with, you know, getting these tunes, doing this stuff, but is my DPF going to last or are these upgrades going to make it not last as long?
1: So very good question. And I see that as, you know, obviously these emissions components are wearable items and where we're at right now is the the lack of availability of parts. Let's say a a urea sensor or a, a dp a DEF injector or something you go to the dealer and that part might cost thirty five hundred dollars or be on indefinite back order right and that is a pickle we are currently in um, and i i don't have an answer for that however um there are a lot of technologies coming out for instance uh my my toter home that i pull my race operation with is a 2008 Freightliner with a mercedes engine in it uh, I was just plagued with a whole bunch of check engine lights. Um, truck was seriously underpowered, had a whole bunch of issues, ended up being an EGR valve. A new EGR valve for that model year truck for Mercedes was like 350 bucks. We bolted it in, hasn't had a problem since. So that's going to be something that as diesel shops in the future have to deal with is actually performing diagnostics on these trucks and figuring out what is wrong with it and fixing the parts Assuming you can get the parts because of availability or outrageous costs, but doing a proper diagnostic and fixing these trucks correctly to put that you know uh, faulty uh, EGR valve in, or the urea injector, or um, even the DPF. So I was looking into this. Uh, a good friend of mine called me the other day, and uh, he said, "Hey Ryan, I've got a 2009 Ford F450, and the you know the DPF is clogged all the way up." The mobile regen stuff won't work. I've tried it. What am I supposed to do? And I said, man, I can't touch that truck. I can't do deletes. You know, if you want to delete it, you know, start on the internet and find your way around. But man, good luck. And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I want the truck to just be how it was. I want it to be fixed. And I said, oh, okay. I thought you were calling me, you know, for deletes because that's just another, I'm sorry. I can't help you. You know, you should know better than to call me and ask for that. Um, But he ended up taking his DPF off, sending it to a place in Ocala that has one of these big cabinets that you bolt the dpf in and it essentially performs what needs to be done to clean this thing out that the truck can't do you know it gets hotter it gets hotter longer whatever it needs to do to burn this thing out and clean it and it said it was like 450 bucks two-day turnaround and sent it back to him bolted it on his truck without having to touch his truck with anything except going to town and clearing the codes with a scanner and it's good to go so that's going to be something you know and that truck's in 08 or 09. So the the DPFs from, that were put in these trucks in 2008 are nothing at all the same technology of the DPFs that are going in these new trucks. You know, they're getting smaller, less restrictive, uh, more functional, made out of better materials, all sorts of stuff. So that is going to be the way of the future is performing proper diagnostics and fixing these trucks and not not just doing the, the hill jack, uh, you know, put a straight pipe on it, throw a tuner on it and send you on your way. That's not, we, that's, that's the old way. We can't do that anymore. you have to do it the correct way.
0: I just thought of a random question um, about calibrations is, is I think of transmissions, right? So if you have, you know, a Cummins, you put, you tune it or you do like a power pack like you mentioned if you wanted to do or needed to do transmission tuning is that where you have to go also go back to SEMA garage or an independent lab and have testing done to verify the transmission calibration as well or is it strictly just engines emission system stuff
1: it's it's it depends how much you want to read into it if you want to read the black and white of the of the Clean Air Act of 1974. Technically, if your truck came with Firestones and you put the exact same uh, size and tread type tire from Goodyear on it, you have violated the Clean Air Act. If you take your factory OEM windshield wipers off and replace them with good high quality Bosch or Rain-X from the local parts house, you have violated the Clean Air Act. So it's a gray area that we're all trying to live within here, right? So the emissions that they're testing is obviously it's it's got to do with tailpipe emissions, so uh, NOx emissions, which is what the um, the diesel exhaust fluid and the EGR is to combat, and of course particulate matter, which is what the DPF, excuse me, is there for. So, um, and it goes back to that reasonable basis thing. So, now I'm glad you mentioned transmissions because all these manufacturers, specifically the 68 RFE we all deal with, every manufacturer has their own little blend of, of tuning that they want in their transmission. Some guys don't want lock up until fourth like this. Some guys want line pressure gain here. Some guys want baseline pressure like this. Um, so, and if those guys are to legally sell that transmission and mandate that these settings be done, then it has to be sold with a carb compliant tuner. So that's, that's what I'm trying to accomplish is even if I'm going to send you an auto Cal or a, or a HP tuners, I don't have an example of one handy, but little HP tuners deal um, with every transmission that transmission company XYZ sends out the door, even if they have stock engine tuning on them, that that tuner technically can't be sold without a car BO stamp. Right. So um, same thing with the turbos. If, if a turbo manufacturer says, you know, hey, you know, in order to make this turbo work right for this truck, you got to do this with the pain position. Well, who's going to sell those, you know, like, as a turbo, as a turbo manufacturer, if you're going to sell a little programmer out the door, like, do you want to really expose yourself and put your that much liability in yourself for selling a product that's not tested right now? It's reasonable basis that changing the turbo out all by itself does not uh, increase or decrease emissions. But as an engine part, I would strongly suggest turbo manufacturers out there have those parts tested. You can pretty reasonably argue that it's going to ca- it's going to pass the testing and you're going to get your EO no problem, right? And same thing with the transmission. I don't think there's a transmission manu- – correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know. I don't think there's a transmission manufacturer out there doing emissions testing because how the hell does a transmission built – to the spec so it'll function in place of the original one, change tailpipe emissions. So that could very much be argued, um, but at the same time, it's a matter of how much paperwork do you wanna have on your side backing up your argument when the man comes knocking? That's the end The end result. Um, and then uh, before I get off this rant, I wanted to go back. I remember what I wanted to talk about uh, earlier. So um, I, this is in regards to people that are, that currently have tuning and not even by, not even by me, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to drop all support of old style tuning here very shortly, but I'm seeing a lot of people that are finding themselves in a pickle for tuning stuff on these trucks. Oh, seven and a half to current. Right. Um, prime example, you buy a, uh, a tuner off of eBay from Billy Bob's tuner depot, whatever the name is this week that comes with your, your delete plates and your exhaust and all that crap. And you bolt all this junk onto your truck, right? And then you have to buy us a transmission and the transmission manufacturer demands that you have the line pressure set like this or you won't have a warranty, right? And now you can't get a hold of Billy Bob's tuner depot people because they changed their names, went out of business, fly by night business, you know, And then those people end up in inboxes of guys like me begging for help on their, you know, already emissions removed truck. And I can't help you. You are asking me to create a, to do a felony. You're asking me to go to jail. So those of you out there buying used trucks and, and, or, you know, that have used trucks that are, that are emissions removed in the very near future before it's not available from anybody at all. I strongly suggest you get all your ducks in a row of anything that you might need in the future. Um, If you plan on doing a transmission and you can still get somebody to update the transmission tuning for you while keeping the emissions removed, like now is the time to do that. Either that or just unload that truck, get rid of it, go do something else with it. Um, Another thing too is, I don't know, I don't know how it is in other states, but we have a pretty steady business here locally returning deleted trucks back to stock for our local dealership friends because they're taking in trucks that have emissions removed and they can't wholesale them or resale them legally with the emissions removed and so now they leave it up to us i just get a random truck dropped in my parking lot with a text message from my contact up there saying hey man dropped off another one let me know when it can be done what's it going to cost and i have no way to answer that because you can't i can't buy a dpf or you can't you can, but it's ridiculously expensive. Um, you know, a DPF for an 08 Dodge. If somebody trades in an 08 Dodge, the the cost for me to put it back to find these parts used, hope the parts used work when they get here, right? Because some of these parts that I'm buying used, there was a reason they got taken off because there was an issue with something. And now I've got junk parts trying to put back on. So it might cost me $2,500 to put one back to stock. It might be $7,500. So those of you that have emissions removed trucks and you're thinking about trading them in, just know that most dealers, if they know better, will will burn you on trade-in value. If you've got a $20,000 truck with the emissions removed and you go to trade it in, they're going to give you 10 for it because they have to put it back to stock or it's not worth, you know, they got to send it somewhere else and can't get their profit off of it. So that puts a lot of people in a pickle that I'm seeing over and over and over again right now. Um, And all these people that have it, here's my advice. If you guys have listened to this podcast this far and you're still listening, if you don't listen to anything else, I have to say, if you have a truck that has emissions installed right now, leave the shit on, make it work right. Or you will be in the pickle that all these people in that I see, you know, day in and day out. Um, And then, Uh, another prime example, Um, a local customer bought a bunch of crap online, wanted me to install it. I just talked to him yesterday. I said, no, man, that, (laughs) number one, I wouldn't let any of that crap that you bought from, I don't know where you got it from, touch my vehicle, first of all. Uh, Second of all, I can't install it here legally at all. And once you put all that stuff on yourself, I am not willing to allow it to drive into my facility with all this stuff you bolted on for me to check out and make sure it's all done right, like that vehicle is basically I can't touch it anymore. I can't help you with it. Um, so a lot of people are in this pickle that, and it's and it's self-inflicted and it's not my fault. It's not their fault. It's 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 a sign of the times, you know. Um, and I, I don't have a good answer for those of you that already have emissions removed um, on the brand new trucks. I'm speaking for the 19 and newer specifically because that's what I drive. There is no reason at all to remove that stuff. The truck, I mean, I made 526 horsepower yesterday on the dyno on my 21. Just dick, I was able to get to 540, 550 with every, and that's through 35-inch all-terrain tires. If I put the stock ones back, I'd get even more. So besides having a loud gorilla mating call sounding exhaust, there is no reason at all. And that's what it sounds like to me. I hate the sound (laughs) of a third gen. It sounds like Bigfoot's mating call. (laughs) Um, Anyways, um, you know, besides having a loud exhaust, there is no reason at all to remove this stuff. Uh, Any power that you want, any economy that you want, anything that you want these trucks to do, they already do it as is. There's no reason to take your $90,000 truck and put two grand worth of bullshit off of eBay or Amazon on it. And in my opinion, ruin the truck. um, so like I said, if you, if you, if you're listening to this far and you've got a new truck, you better leave it alone. Cause if you're not on a pickle yet, you will be.
0: Yeah. I think that's how, <clears throat> excuse me, how a lot of this is uh, a lot of this is changed and doing a podcast like this with you and being able to chat and understand more of how things are going, how things are going to go, you know, in the future really provides a lot of value to our listeners because they're in the same position. They have a newer truck, they have, you know the pressure the idea of doing something but they don't see all the things you do they don't see the trucks that can't get put back in stock you can't find the parts you're stuck in these these situations so I I think it's a lot of great info you know that that you're able to to share with us and I look forward to seeing what you're able to do with with these calibrations and and some of these other kind of power recipes that you have because I think I think these trucks can be really fun they're going to be different than they used to be but oh yeah they're so nice like you think back to like a third gen six seven and the interiors in them compared to yeah. a 2022 it's like
1: yeah it's like driving r- a dump truck
0: <laughs> yeah and you know the, the rattling and and everything so um yeah keep us updated ryan and, and let us know um you know, when these come out, we do another podcast, chat about them. I know people are going to be really excited to, to see what you do and, and, uh, you know, Cummins owners look to you. So I, I appreciate your time today, you know, talking about your journey, talking about the industry, talking about tuning and, and everything that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, man. I, as always, I greatly appreciate you having me and I'd be happy to come back, you know, once we get some more stuff situated. Um, I got one more quick subject I want to cover. Uh, and I know it won't reach everybody, but the more people we put it out to, the better. Um, 2022 Rams cannot be tuned right now. Okay. You're not waiting on me. I'm the calibration guy. I, I do calibrations. I am not the guy that makes them able to flash. That is HP tuners, EFI live, easy link. Um, a couple other brands out there of hardware manufacturers. So, I am waiting on them to get their flash protocol done so I can take the calibrations that I have flash them through OBD 2 port and get to testing to get the products out to you. So uh, the reason I'm saying that is no joke at all. I get asked 10 times a day when 22 tuning is going to be available. And I am not the guy to ask if, if, if tuning as a whole is a wheel and tire package, right? Where you have to have the wheel meaning the hardware and the the tire being me the calibration guy to bolt on your truck and roll down the road i make the tires i can't sell you anything to bolt on your truck without the wheel to put it on so um same thing as Corey. Corey is a calibrator Uh, i know he's worked on some hardware stuff and other applications but he still uses hp tuners efi live and easy link just like the rest of us so um beating me up every day and asking me every day and Corey every day. And um, any of the other tuners out there, pick your flavor when 22 Ram tuning is going to be available is getting you nowhere. And it's just irritating. So I love you guys, but please stop. As soon as it's available, (laughs) the, the day it's available, I will test flash and I will get it out like as soon as I possibly can. But until you see something from EFI live HP tuners or easy link saying we can flash 22s now, Please stop asking me.
0: <laughs> we'll uh, we'll make sure and uh, announce it as well, so that we can maybe save on your inbox messages and <laughs> people. <Yeah. else. laughs> I'm
1: just, I, I'm, not, I'm not even being nice anymore. I'm just like, no, <laughs> go away. Stop asking me. So,
0: uh, right on, man. Wong. Now,
1: uh, on uh, on before, uh, before I cut you off. On that note, there are people out there that are tuning the twenty twos yes, I know this. No, they're not using the 22 ECM that came with the truck. No, it's not feasible at all for me to play with and do it that way. And no, I'm not interested. So again, please stop asking me. Um, and sorry, go ahead.
0: <laughs> I can sense that the 2022s are, uh, kind of, uh, uh, something that you deal with probably even maybe more than 10 times a day with, uh, you know, all the inquiries and stuff. Yeah. So it seems
1: like it's a hundred times a day it might only be three times a day but in my brain it's a hundred times a day (laughs)
0: it's (laughs) a (laughs) hundred right on man well i appreciate your time today chatting with us and uh you know we always like to hear your insights and and what you're working on and look forward to seeing you know some of this new stuff that uh that you've got cooking up for the new truck so as always it was a, a pleasure to chat with you
1: yep absolutely man thanks for having me and uh You know, we'll keep in touch. And when it's time to do another one, we'll uh, we'll make it happen.
0: Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kausa.com use code diesel 20 for 20% off site wide. We appreciate our friends over there offering this exclusive discount code for you guys for our listeners. It's a great way to save some money on some gear that you might want for EDC or hunting fishing around the house. At the job site, they got something for any budget. And that's what's really cool about their product line is if you're a knife enthusiast, and you're really into it, they have tons of different choices for full opening mechanisms. handle material, blade material, or if you just need something that you need to work with every day aren't quite sure if you want to spend a bunch of money getting into the knife world they have choices there as well so definitely take advantage of it i want to give a shout out to a couple of our patreon supporters tyler lowen of 23 diesel and also caleb we appreciate their support all of our Patreons, all of you who are listening right now whether you're on youtube a podcast app if you follow us on facebook instagram we appreciate your support since 2016 and being able to grow into the largest diesel podcast that's out there and it's because of you guys it's because of um, your enthusiasm, your passion for your vehicles. And we want to make sure that we always are are paying attention to what you guys want. So if you don't follow us, make sure you follow us, drop us a message. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know a guest that you might want on and, uh, we'll, uh, you know, do our very best to be able to bring that to you until next time. Keep the shiny side up.